0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Men in Red podcast. You might be noticing I'm hosting tonight. First of all, uh, we are here because there is major news, breaking news, groundbreaking, massive news. I have a Crusader helmet. Okay, thanks for watching.
1: Bye. That's definitely what everyone wanted to hear. (laughs) He he was, by the way, wearing the Crusader helmet, (laughs) which he could not fit his headphones in, so we were getting terrible reverb (laughs) in the entire (laughs) pregame. It was, it was amazing. It was, but it looks like a legit Crusader helmet. So there's that.
0: Yeah. Um, you may be noticing I am hosting tonight. And the reason is Alan is currently out. He has a horrible case of being turned into a newt by a witch. Um, he will get better later. However, we're trying to wrangle in a duck. They are very wily. We need to weigh her against that duck to see if she weighs the same. And once we confirm that she does weigh as much as the duck, we will then burn her at the stake. And I am, as always, I am joined by my lovely
1: co-host, Tim, who is currently trying
0: <laughs> not to pee his pants.
1: I, I just, I, I mean, <laughs> you are the most medieval person to ever actually watch a soccer game. Do you know that? Like, there was no overlap between people being that medieval and soccer being invented that, until that is- you happened.
0: Listen, it's a Monty Python reference. I can't avoid it. I just had a Crusader helmet. I can't avoid Monty Python references.
1: And it and it did look very legitimate like like a Monty Python Crusader helmet, like the one where you're like, there's a budget, but there's not like a high budget for these special effects.
0: It only cost no me offense, like 130 no bucks. It cost me like 130 bucks. It wasn't like high end, high end.
1: <laughs> We're gonna and talk about the high end of Crusader helmets later, but okay. <laughs>
0: And uh, we're joined by our currently trying not to, not to say a dang thing
2: host, Alex, who joins, I think, for the first time in a few months. I've finally been introduced, which means I can finally talk. Let's go.
0: <laughs> um, but yes, we do have some news to go over real quick. First on the docket, uh, we'll get to the bad one later, which we all know we're going to have a lovely conversation about. Brian Gutierrez signed as a homegrown U twenty two initiative player through twenty twenty eight. Ironically, this is exactly what Alex said. I think in the U in our uh, keeper kick podcast, this is exactly what Alex said should happen. Uh, so clearly, he has proven right. However, this also more than likely means that Alonso Estevez is no longer going to be with the Fire because there is three U twenty two players in Kusi, Fede, and Guti. Yeah, I don't think he's sticking around.
2: Yeah, Aceves was honestly as much as it sucks because I still think there's a talented player there. Good dude was a complete waste of a U twenty two slot. Like backup left back is one of the least important spots on an, on a roster, especially when you have a starting left back who is decent. Um, so. Using the, one of the three U22 slots that you have on a backup left back who has very little upside and didn't show any signs of challenging to be a starter, that was a complete waste. So getting rid of him, you're going to go out, you're going to sign another left back or promote Justin Reynolds. So you're chilling there. I think, I think you're good there. Um, that was a good move. And Guti, congrats to Guti. He got that paycheck. His salary is going to be probably about doubled or tripled here. Mu- much deserved it's still a good value player on the salary cap right now even if he's on six hundred and fifty thousand dollars that's still a good value it's not quite the crazy bar bargain he was when he was at two hundred thousand but still he's Shout only gonna count who-
1: for 150,000. 150, 150 next year and then 200k the years after that and he can be making up to 800k ish this upcoming year and by the end of his deal he could be making over a million um, Alex, I, I mean I'm assuming he will not be around For the full extent of the deal
2: We'll see, it's possible You never really know uh, For me personally, like I know a lot of people Especially national team focused people Want him to go to Europe um, Because that's where the highest level is And that's fair But I also don't think he's ready To succeed in Europe I'm a believer That you should go to Europe Once you've so 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 completed MLS, I guess is the way to say it. Like you're you're one of the better, better players in MLS. You're dominant at that level. You're not going to get any better in MLS. I still think he has developing to do before he's ready to be an impact player in Europe. Um, end product, decision making stuff that he can get better at. It's not it's not outside the realm possibility. He just needs to keep working at it. Another year in Chicago, at least maybe two, maybe three. I think that'll do him well. And then maybe you see him make a move like Georgi Mihailovic did, going to the Netherlands. Obviously, that one didn't work out for other reasons. But that kind of a move, when you're 23, 24, to a team like that, and that's something I could see more likely for Guti. Um, but no, I think this is a good, good move for him um, to get that five-year yeah. extension. And yeah,
1: and it gives him time and permission to sort of develop to that next level. Like there's, like you mentioned, there's rough edges to his game still. The, the finishing especially is something that like whenever you see a guy that has five times as many assists as they do goals, there is an obvious opportunity for improvement. Um, when he got close to goal, you know, there were some things that it was clear that he, he wasn't quite able or confident to do yet to the point that he was almost like waiting. There were a couple of times that he was in the box and it's almost like delaying, like trying to dribble with the ball, trying to like waste time to wait for someone to come into the box with him. Rather than finishing himself, and you know, the, the obvious thing is like, dude, you're you're in the box. You're alone. <laughs> like it's it's you and the keeper. Like there's an opportunity here.
0: All right. Moving on from Guti to another homegrown player who is no longer a homegrown player, Alex Moniz is leaving the Fire. In his tenure with the Fire, he played all of a grand total of four games. And 119 minutes
1: across all competitions, As and multiple mu- years, yeah. and, and only a few minutes with the first team, which which sort of sucks. Like he, he's a player yeah. that I don't know how you feel about this, Alex. I I, I feel like he was kind of caught up between a rock and a hard place, where he wasn't MLS ready. MLS Next Pro was not necessarily the best place for him, but especially with MLS Next Pro existing, like there wasn't really a good place to send him to to have his best minutes until he was sent out on loan and i think that was kind of like the siren song on this
2: yeah i what i'm curious about is i don't really know what his situation was when he first signed but in hindsight it's really easy to say with his profile of player and how things worked out he's the kind of guy who probably would have been a lot more successful if he had gone to play college soccer like I think he would have gone to college soccer and been one of the better players in the country at that level and maybe coming into MLS, MLS Next Pro age 22 with a different set of expectations in like two years maybe, a year, whatever. So it's easy to say that because it's hindsight, hindsight is 20, 20, 20. but I'm really sad it didn't work out for him. I mean, how many MLS minutes does he have? He has like 25?
1: 119 25 I think.
0: No, he has a grand total of twenty nine minutes. Oh, twenty nine. Twenty nine minutes this
2: season. So I think. So what I will say, yeah. what I will say is one goal every twenty nine minutes in MLS is probably the highest goals per minute ratio in Chicago Fire history. So at least there's that.
1: <laughs> That's three goals for ninety. That's you. You can't really fight with that. That's three goals for ninety. That's insane. Yeah, um, and by the way, I, the best fire striker this season was about 0. .37 per ninety as a
2: as a. That was Casper so. Shavilko, by the way.
1: It was. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, I also feel like it's worth mentioning. From so, for those that don't know, Moniz was signed with five other players during the COVID lockdown when COVID started. It was him, Casas, Alan Rodriguez, Guti, and Brady. I will 100% be shocked if Casas and Rodriguez are still with the club next year.
2: Well, Allen's... Alan, no. Allen's done. Yeah. Casas, I want to say there's a chance that he comes back. Probably not, though. The only reason I say there's a chance is because there are no players in the academy who are obvious players to come in as a homegrown, and I... I truly believe that if you go out and sign someone to be a homegrown to fill up that roster spot on the supplemental slots on the roster, if you go out and sign someone, it's making the same mistake again, and it's forcing it too much. Because if you force it, then suddenly—I'm let us just going to use a player as an example. Dylan Borso is probably the best up-and-coming player in the 06 class for the Fire Academy. He just broke through with Fire 2, and he's probably a candidate to be a homegrown player— This is just hypothetical, by the way. If you sign Borso to a pro contract right now and it doesn't work out for him, like he's another Monas or Casas or Alan Rodriguez for whatever reason, if it doesn't work out, then he's kind of screwed. But right now, he's committed to Wake Forest, a strong soccer program. He can go there and play three years and then sign a homegrown deal. That's probably a lower risk situation. So I don't want them to force it. I don't want them to force signing a homegrown to replace Monas Rodriguez and maybe Casas because that would be a mistake for the player and it wouldn't benefit the first team at all either. So uh, that's what I'm worried about because they haven't signed a homegrown player since 2021. Oh, no, they signed last year, but that's one player. That's one. So, yeah.
0: And right now, uh, because the way the roster works, the last two spots have to be homegrown. I will say that's more than likely going to be... Justin Reynolds, and probably Sergio Herrera, I want to say, in the last two slots, because mm-hmm. that's I
1: think that's what it is this year. There, but, yeah, but MLS roster rules are insanely complicated, because there's yeah. 30 spots, but there's really 20, and then there's kind of 10, and then the 10 are kind of three different categories of slots, and it just becomes absolutely insane. Um, but, speaking of signing mm-hmm. players, and who gets to make the signings,
0: we we skipped over one thing, Tim. We we skipped over Brady's U.S. Men's National. You call uh, it. i going to go back we, to that later. Heard, but
1: Okay.
0: Well, regardless, um, but yes, we are talking about heights now. The greatest uh, sporting director in fire history. Just,
1: just I, I don't know he's. He's said to, to be start. the longest. He's. I believe he actually may already be the longest tenured person in fire history to have the title sporting director. Uh, uh, that think, didn't occur to him until just now. I think, well, Wilt was GM, wasn't he? Exactly. Will so like GM. in terms of the actual title, but I not there only been there. like
2: three people to actually be sporting director.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it's a long list. I'm just saying he's been there longest. <laughs> Wilt was GM for significantly longer. I, I think that Heights is the longest tenured person to have that job title. And he was extended one more year, which I think is the thing that we've been not saying even though i'm pretty sure all of our listeners are aware of that um if they're here uh if they've been alive or on anything associated with the fire twitter social media or anything else there was a video from the fire um where owner joe Mansuito was discussing the decision that was about six and a half minutes long where he kind of like walked through the thought process which you know, to be honest, he did not have to be in the front line like that, which I think that we do have to give him credit for. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you see that, Alex, DJ?
2: Yeah, I, I, watched, I watched the video. I liked it. I liked it from Joe. I'm glad he did it. Um, but my honest reaction to it is. It's kind of reaffirming what I already thought about the whole situation. I think that with the fire organization, everything right now is moving in the right direction, and by that I mean from top to bottom, from infrastructure to personnel to front office, um, ticket sales, PR, everything. I think every every single thing, every single thing is moving in the right direction, except for one thing. You know, the actual play on the field. Can, can
1: we stop and like just like a. Like list out some of the things really quick about like in terms of moving the right direction. So
2: you said infrastructure, right? So they have the training facility which is being built right now. You have the you have the games where they've been honestly doing a lot better with the game day experience um, over the last two years. I would say
1: they've invested in it significantly, and I mean this is sort of like a, a weird, you know, weird way to brag about this, but. It, largely because of the game against Miami, where obviously there were expectations that Leland messi would be in attendance. 2023 was the highest, had the highest average attendance of any, ser- of any season in fire history. So you have the best attended season in fire history, which does say something about ticket sales. Obviously, there were some games where the number of people that were actually there was significantly lower and was disappointing because we're dealing with single digits still, but being able to do that is still not nothing and, and being able to maximize the revenue and maximize really, I think the experience that won that Miami game, I think was something.
2: Here's, here's, here's what I was getting to though, right? All of that is great. All of that is fantastic. And I think it reflects really, really well in Joe Mansueto. Other stuff he mentioned in the video, Lugano is succeeding. They're playing in the Europa League. That's awesome. The Chicago fire second team fire two, is improving. It's it's a sustainable environment for the young players and the academy players, and stuff like that. That's fantastic. That's great. Um, it's also I It's the, the first time
1: in Fire history that there's been like an actual like full reserve team like that, right? Like the, the well, Fire were no, one of the teams, but kind of. Well, um, well, kind of, right? Like like there was never a USL players. team the way that other teams yeah. had one.
2: But what I'm saying is. Heights' job as the technical director or sporting director should be to for the team to win on the field. And the team is not doing anything on the field. Like, all that progress is great. That's fantastic. But and that I think that all reflects great on the owner, Mansueto. But the team has missed the playoffs all four seasons with Heights in his position. And They've just barely shown any progress on the field in that time. It's been extremely minimal. And if you're going to say, well, this time it came down to the final day, and last year it didn't, yeah, because there were nine teams in the playoffs. And the it came down to the final
1: day in 2020, right? Like, So that's the other thing. We had an expanded field in 2020 and an expanded field in a different way, admittedly not COVID-related, in 2023. And those were the two times the fire made it to decision day still in the mix. I feel like it has to be also
0: mentioned with Heights. It is very hard. We have said this before. It's very hard in this league to fail so often. Heights is very much good at finding ways to fail. It is becoming clearer and clearer. Of the worst seasons of Fire history, the worst season of Fire history, mathematically, is probably 2015 or 2016. 2021 is right there with them. It
1: was just such a bad season. 2021 had the worst goal differential in fire history. Yeah. Um we improved in 2022.
0: We got a guy on paper that should have been great. Great guy that should have been like easily one of the seven be most rated MLS head coach, and it failed. Because the guys he was given was John Espinosa at right wing and left wing, Jonathan Bornstein at left wing, like that type of stuff. You there is there is definitely a path for heights that I think there you can make that argument. But I I I don't get I don't get this. I don't get why what what the thought process for Menzueto is right now he can say what he wants. He can talk like that. But after a certain point, it kind of comes down to if you're looking at what's on the field, it's not good. It's not going well. It's not getting better. There are certain elements that are getting better. Like Navarro is starting to get better, but your big signings are not getting better. Your big signings are just not doing the job they need to.
1: Well, and and I think that's part of it. So I think part of the conversation has to be the team Heights had to sign 17 players in the 2020 offseason. I mean, before the team started playing in the 2020 season. And he was hired in December. Yeah. COVID happened in 2020. It was a weird year. I don't think anyone knew what the heck was happening. Like, have a te- like you have a team that basically didn't get a preseason together, and then they can't practice together for months. Like, that does weird things to your head. 2020 was whatever it was. 2021 there were basically no changes made to the roster whatsoever and heights spoke about this openly about the need for continuity and i think that's a fair expectation the team ended up with one point per game in 2020 one point per game in 2021 so it the continuity ended up at exactly the same result on a per game basis because the season in 2020 was shortened 2022 you made a, a 11 signings which to be fair is around the average number of offseason signings for an MLS team but bringing in one of the biggest names in MLS that were brought in that year I mean it was Lorenzo Insigne in Toronto and Jaron Shaqiri in Chicago like those were the two biggest names brought in to MLS that year the team ended up with six points more than they had the year prior 39 points on the season still below 10th place in the league out of the playoffs yeah
0: we even had, and to bring up our uh, previous episode, we were having this discussion on the players, like the best players of the Heights era. Let me find the thing real quick. And of the best players, three of them are DBs or are homegrowns. Arguably the best designated player signing he's had is Robert Barrage.
1: Which and, is a funny thing to think about, and for actually, one season, for one season, for one season. But he had one season. He was he was in the Golden Boot race. Yeah, there's, I there he wasn't an All Star game, right? Right. He was second. He was, he was tied second in the Golden Artist. Boot race. He, he 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 was second. Like he was in the he was in the race. Like he was in it t- the to the end. Um, and there wasn't an All Star game that year because of how weird of a year it was you would think the guy that's second in the golden boot race new to a team, especially cause you know, I mean there are sort of like vibes that are an element to the voting and stuff like that. And unexpected players do get votes because you're like, who is this guy? Berch could have been a potential all-star that year. The year after that sort of like, it was like, it, I don't know how to describe it. It was like a, like the pumpkin becoming, like the carriage becoming a pumpkin kind of moment again, where he just couldn't score the year after that. The team failed as well. He couldn't, he couldn't like score without
2: with with Georgie. It was a weird thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When, um, I, I have to say it, it like this, when the fire needed him most, he vanished.
1: Yeah. Which, to be fair, I mean, a lot of strikers do depend on good service, right? Like Nico. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, Georgie was giving good service until he wasn't on the roster anymore.
0: I feel so, like yeah. that—that's also the big thing about like Heights. That was the one because in 2021 we brought in Stanislav Ivanov, John Espinoza, and John Zolfor. Also, John Duran, but he didn't join until a year later. That was offset by training away Georgie and CJ Sapong which you're swapping Stanislav Ivanov and Shinoza for with, or you're swapping CJ Sapong and Jordi Mihaljevic for Ivanov and a four.
2: And Frankowski was and sold. And by the way, Shinoza for cost costs a million dollars to bring in. Yeah. Which is a, a ton
1: of money for a striker from just with his resume, regardless of where the resume was made. A resume that His resume made, was the, was the North
2: Cyprus team. League, Latvia, and that's it.
1: And I'm not just saying that, I'm saying I'm not saying where it was made, I'm just saying the but number of months I don't, he had. I don't
2: understand as a pro. how you put a million dollars into that. That's a lot for MLS for a 21 year old,
1: yeah, especially considering just the knock on effects that has on the roster. And, and again, CJ Sapong was a proven MLS striker that was on the fire roster that had said he was willing to stay. He was willing to take a pay cut and there was no interest as far as I'm aware from the fires side of keeping him here, even though he was willing to negotiate and talk about the minutes he could provide and stuff like that. Um, That's happened
2: to a couple of players in the last couple of years, by the way. M-A-M-B- yeah. Yeah. Boris comes to mind. Boris Boris Sekulich. Boris Sekulich wanted to stay out of pay. He was fine taking like a 50% pay cut or something like that. I don't remember the exact numbers, but like he was, he really wanted to stay. And they just didn't negotiate with him. And and
1: the the big knock against Boris Sekulich wasn't that he was an MLS quality right back. He wasn't a fantastic MLS right back. He wasn't going to be the wing back that was going to come and score eight goals a year. But he was competent at a lot of what he did a little bit injury prone, but the biggest knock against him was his salary. And then they
2: and
0: went, followed up by replacing him with somebody that in Suke. earns more money than,
2: than him and is worse. Yeah, exactly.
0: $12,000 more a year.
2: Got and replaced
0: by a USL championship right back.
1: Yeah. Now, I honestly am not sure exactly what the thought process was with the minutes that Dean got versus Sukay. If you look at the heat maps, the touches of where they were on the pitch between Suke and Dean, they were different players, very different players. Um, but they're also players at very different price points. And in a capped league where the fire has spent extravagantly at a lot of positions, um, where you only have so many spots where you can spend the money you want. The amount of money you spend on a player matters. The fact that we've had players like Guti, Pineda, Brady, taking up a ton of minutes, and not just taking them up, like they've been, they've been contributing, they've been solid contributors at a very low price point from the salary cap hit, frees up the team to spend more money on other places. That can make you better, but you've got to invest that money in a way that makes the team better and not just say, oh, well, we've got this money. We can blow it on a right back that's not really going to contribute.
0: We made this point last time. There are right backs in this league that make 500 grand. There are right backs in this league that make 200 or 300 grand that are really good. Arguably, I'd say arguably the best right back in the league right now is probably Ryan Soling. said, Alex, I don't know if you have a thought on that.
1: That's a that's an interesting. That's a out.
2: that's
1: <laughs> an interesting. Story. That,
2: I mean, there are not very many, many good fullbacks. There yeah. are not very many good fullbacks. To be fair, but I mean, there are better ones than him.
1: So the funny <laughs> thing is, in, in this league, left backs like there's right backs that are good. There's right backs that can do their job.
2: Left backs are rare and hard to find. I mean, um, the best left back is a wing back. It's Bariel. and then Kai Wagner, but. I don't know what's going on with Kai Wagner right now.
1: (laughs) And and Kai Wagner plays on both sides, too. Um, So there's that. But um, the funny thing is, somehow the Fire have managed to spend twice as much on the right side as they have on the left, which is a little bit unusual in some ways. Um, Which is also weird because
2: the left side is the better side of the team. Yeah. Right, exactly. Navarro it's and, Navarro and Gutierrez are better than the right-side players. I don't care if it's Mueller, high Lasse, Dean. Suke, like Miguel Navarro and Brian Gutierrez are better than the right-side. And,
1: and on the left, you're typically trying to find a player that can play with both feet or can play with his left foot. So that's harder to find than a player that plays with his right foot. And so typically, you have to spend more money. People knock Navarro a lot, but for 300 k for the amount of production that he's provided, I mean... He's solid. The problem with the, the knock on the ball is always a fine
2: over. MLS left back. He's perfectly fine. That's not the problem. The problem is that you're spending like upwards of 600000 on Arnaud Suquet to be the backup right back.
1: Almost yeah. seven hundred. Almost seven hundred K on being the backup right back. And the other problem, I mean, just not this is really the thing that matters, but the thing with Navarro isn't the play. The problem is the times that he just decides that there's, it's like occasionally a, he just, yeah, he he enters some kind of beast mode, or like his like brain leaves his head, and he decides to take some of these stupidest yellows you've seen a professional player take in your life. He goes and, into Libertad into a Copa
0: Libertadores
1: mode. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. That is the best way to call it. Like, yeah, and it's one hundred percent Copa Libertadores mode. I don't know anyone if if you're looking for a way to kill some time and have fun seeing a phenomenal game of soccer, uh, watch the Copa Libertadores final that happened last week. Uh, from when we're recording this it is amazing former chicago
2: fire target john kennedy whose move to the fire fell through for non-soccer reasons which we will not go into today
0: it it fell through because uh marilyn monroe told him was uh not really willing to let
1: him leave different different john kennedy but also you know issues (laughs) with both i (laughs) <laughs> I mean that game though, had every I mean that game had absolutely everything though like it is, it is 100% worth watching you cannot watch the first 10 minutes of it or so because there were too many flares and too much smoke that was getting set off some of it I I really believe from the pitch so if, if you want a way to kill time that's a great way to do it moving on to, from that though it's a hockey match but
0: yes like just the signings alone make heights you have an argument right now between Heights and Nelson Rodriguez. There is an argument that Rodriguez was at times better than Heights. Rodriguez was,
2: understood the league. Nelson understood yeah. how to build the roster in MLS. It didn't always work out, but he understood the league inside out and he knew what he needed to do. Heights There was, there was only one bad of league.
0: Yeah, there is only one bad Tam signing under. Uh, Nelson Rodriguez at least those brought in as a TAM signing to the fire specifically
1: and that's Marcella yeah that was a pretty bad one but so you're in some to some extent you're dealing with different eras of the league like the league in 2019 is not the league in 2023 like it's it's crazy to say but like those years have made a tremendous difference in the ways that rosters have been built
2: well, and now we're in 4.0 right now it's a different it's a new era Exactly.
1: It, it's it's a very, like the way that you built a successful MLS roster now is different than it was when Heights entered the league. And it's different than it was when Nelson entered the league. Like those are like really three or maybe three and a half or four distinct eras between those two guys. And Nelson was never given a top flight budget to build his rosters. Yeah, You know, Heights has been given basically as much money as he wants to spend. I don't think that he's really had real constraints with his DP spending in the ways that, like, if, you know, you're managing the Colorado Rapids or FC Dallas, that, like, you know, you've got a budget and you've got to work within that. And some, you know, like, teams have found success doing that. Like, they have one... If
2: not MLS Cups, they have missed. Well, the, the Rapids, the Rapids won the Western Conference with a bunch of misfits. Dallas, twenty twenty one, never yeah, won anything. They yeah. won a Supporters Shield, building a team around academy players. Like even even the Fire, if you're looking just on transfers and not on salaries, like in the entire Pjanic era, like the four years Pjanic was there with Nelson, uh, the total transfer fees were still only seven seven digits.
1: So we're talking. So the, the the total transfer fees were about what it took to bring Shakiri here, like not necessarily right. to the dollar, but like
2: not exactly. A- but I think it's like roughly in that seven to nine million dollar range was all the transfer fees across four years of Velka Panovich. And in the last four years, if I'm not mistaken, I don't have the exact number on me because I haven't looked at it in a long time. But I think it's like thirty million.
1: Yeah, I mean, that- and, and the transfer right? fees. The transfer fees aren't that. It's it it's in the thirties. I would like to say thirty sounds low. I, but, but again, transfer fees aren't exactly public all the time, so we don't right. know the exact numbers the, the way we do estimate. the player salaries. But um, it's also worth pointing out the team under the last year under Ponovich and Nelson Rodriguez had forty two points. Um, the team has not had forty two points since. Um. Now. There have been a lot of signings. Some of them have worked out and then some of them been sold on. Like that's one of the things that like John Duran had half a season, basically getting first team minutes as a starter in MLS and scored more goals than a fire player scored this season um, in half a season. And that money was not spent on a striker.
2: It hasn't been spent at all. And I think that that's one of the
1: issues that I think is is on the mind of Fire fans when you're looking at this amount coming in in transfers. The ways you can reinvest it are limited because you get a certain amount of GAM, and then there's only certain you you have three DP slots right now. Like that's what you've got. But I think it is fair to say, like when you spend, when you get paid something in the range of 20 million dollars 25 million depending on how you count and like how you you know whether or not you count like the chickens as having roosted in terms of like performance bonuses and stuff like that um for a striker and then you don't reinvest that in a team that has been like starved for goals like they have been towards the bottom of the league every year in terms of goal scoring and you finally get a striker that seems like they can score more or less whenever they're given decent service and you trade them away and then don't replace them. I, I think it is fair to say like, well, what are we doing? Like when you're buying a ticket to see a fire again, like what are we paying for? Because there isn't someone that can finish there. Right. Mm.
0: I will. The one thing that makes me say that this is, the one good thing about this, the only good thing that I can say for sure, Alex, correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like it's a one-year deal.
2: I don't know and on the contract.
0: Yeah, they on his did new not. Contract.
2: They did not announce a contract plan. I haven't heard any number yet, so I don't know.
0: Like that's the only thing that's kind of giving me s- the
2: fact that it said the word. The fact that it said extension instead of new contract. Does make me think it's a one year deal, but because it didn't say that directly, I'm not certain. The one, that's the
0: one thing I'm looking at, being like, okay, I can kind of get some out. but even then, it's still very, very, very minimal.
1: So look, I, I did the math, and I'm I'm not trying to plug my own content, but I mean, if if you want to analyze the way that Heights has performed compared to other MLS GMs. There's a
2: four-part series on Men Red that I wrote. Um, You're completely free to plug this, Tim, because it's fantastic.
0: Yeah, I uh, mean, like, literally, you
2: you,
0: <laughs> you you
1: wrote, what, like, 20,000-word essay? I mean, more like 11,000, but it's... it's. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there are also pictures. Uh, there's <laughs> there's pictures of players, but there's also and graphs and stuff like that that took a long time to put together. Um, Heights is the longest tiered MLS GM that has not made the playoffs and so that's a factor. But at the same time the team the team has performed remarkably steadily for you know four years under heights. The chances of them doing that frankly in MLS four years in a row would be insane. The chance of the team missing the playoffs as many years as they will have if they miss them next year, are around 1.1%, which is one of the things I lead off with in the series. So, I mean, it would absolutely be insane if the team doesn't make the playoffs. The question, I guess, becomes, if you're a Fire fan, is if making the playoffs means sneaking into an 8 or 9 seed is enough to satisfy owners, but not you as a fan. Um particularly if it's like the, the way that every I mean other than Sporting KC every team that made it to those lower seeds didn't advance in the playoffs this season. So if if that's enough to satisfy you, you know, given 6 years of missing the playoffs, um you know, like that's like that's fine. But if it's not, I think then the question is like what are the direction that you're going in? And again, like the chance of that happening of of making the playoffs only once in six years given the playoff formats over those years is 1.1%. So we're dealing, you know, not quite with astronomical odds of missing the playoffs that many seasons, but, like, it's getting close to astronomical odds.
0: I, full honesty, I can understand saying 2020 is an off year. 2020 was a weird year. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. I can even understand saying the 2021 off season because of everything that happened. You could give heights to that.
2: No, it's it's honestly not horrible to think that first season didn't work out. I thought we got some of the right players, but it wasn't the right moment. So we'll try again.
1: Not horrible, especially because the way that the season started. Like remember the start of the 2020 season. Like we had an away game to Seattle, who at that point almost really were considered. Yeah,
2: should have won that game.
1: Yeah, should have won the game and ended up drawing it. But I mean, Seattle were the cream of the league. Like it was two one. Oh, it was two one. No, it was two one the.
2: Didn't didn't Morris score twice? No, he. Oh, no, it was. Was it? I thought it was two two. How are we all remembering different scorelines? Yeah. For this no, game? Georgie Has it been had one. Georgie had a goal called back, and then Barrett scored, and then I think Morris scored twice.
1: Yes,
0: it was well to be fair, the fire then played again later that year against Seattle in the back is MLS back tournament. Yeah, Morris scored twice, a last minute winner, and
1: yeah, scored in the forty sixth. Whoever called two one was correct.
0: <laughs> that was you.
1: Yeah. All right, Alex, you you get it, the two one. The um, next game was the one one that I'm thinking of is the New England. All right, that's what I was thinking. But I mean, we played the game and we should have won. Johnny Bourne's team goal. Yeah. One of his um, two goals. And basically what happened was uh it was one of those seasons, and this, it's weird this has happened multiple times, but Jordan Morris was coming back from injury and he came on in the second half and then just entered beast mode in that first game. Like he was just like in it had to win it. And like he was making a case for making the national team again. Like he was like just like punching his ticket. And other than that, though, like the fire played well. And again, this is against what was considered at the time, I think to be like the, that was the the reigning
2: champion. Their last MLS game before that was MLS cup.
1: Yeah. Like they were the, and like that, no one thought that was an accident. Right. Like they weren't like a, Oh, they managed to win an MLS cup. Like everyone was like, this team is stacked. So that was primary Diaz, and Ladero. Like, so losing two to one against that team in the opening match in that fashion, like in stoppage time like losing in stoppage time was heartbreaking but you're like this team has potential right i mean that's how i felt at the time right um,
2: and then the new and england we game later- the road to a tough place to play and you you snatch a point there from bornstein uh and then then the pandemic hits and you beat seattle in the first game back and mls is back you beat the sounders Yeah, straight up, Robert Beric, and then Mauricio Pineda in his third professional game scores the game winner.
1: it It was like, and you started to see the thing that is hard to describe is like the team didn't have an exact tactical identity by that point, but it seemed like they had a style. They were playing with different formations, they were playing in different ways, but they were playing with flair. They were playing with flexibility. And that's something you didn't see a lot of from MLS teams at that point. Um, and then kind of like, you know, like the wheels fell off the carriage or like the, you know, cart or carriage became a pumpkin or whatever metaphor you want to go for. But it ended up being a disappointing season from, from there. Like losing the MLS's back or like getting kicked out of the MLS's back tournament earlier on, I think was really one of the worst things that could have happened to the club because they could have used that time to gel and not getting it perfect
0: example, of this is Ignacio Aliceta. Dude comes in from Argentina and literally just pretty much gets locked down in a foreign country with nothing to do, or no friends, family nearby. And uh, yeah. Then we all know what Tyrus talks about with him with uh, the Orlando
1: bubble. Yeah, and, and a personal level, you really do have to feel for Nacho and the way, like, like he had never been away from home anywhere near that long. Like he like, he's a young kid, um, really loves his family, had lived with his family before that. And then he shows up and it's all right, well, now you're alone. Um, so, I mean, again, like you get a mulligan for 2020. Like, I, I think that we spent a little bit too long on too that, long. <laughs> but you know, 2021 ended up feeling like more of the same, even though we really thought it could be a lot more.
0: I think 21, you can make the argument it was as much on Wiki as it was Heights. Because Wiki clearly lost the locker room after a certain point. Right. But at the same time, Heights did not make the he didn't make the moves that were needed. He brought in two guys that were not good. And he brought in one guy that played a game and got injured
1: immediately after. And he didn't make some moves that should have been obvious at a certain point, like keeping Kim Cronholm's contract, who clearly didn't have a future with the club.
2: Well, he, his career was done. Before. His
1: injury, he wasn't coming back from. Exactly. I, and, and and so you have, a, you have one, you've got a buyout. And that lets you pay the player in full, basically, sometimes even with insurance money. Although I, I don't think that the team was counting those pennies not that thousands of dollars of pennies but whatever um but the the player like Cronholm did not have a feature with the club I think that was obvious by getting rid of the contract you free up the roster space which gives you the room to sign players that can make a difference and Cronholm's salary in MLS was the amount of money you could spend on a player that could make a difference and the team didn't do that way the big signing of that season came down to
2: Fede Navarro who has That's a good signing, has signing for the first stagnant. year and a half. I mean, i was I'd like, say for the first year and a half it was a great signing, but in 2023 he showed absolutely no progress.
1: Yeah. 2022 he kind of plateaued. In 2023 you're hoping that he would take that next step forward. Obviously injuries limited it. Um, and it is not out of the question that he could take a step forward in 2024 he did really hit a plateau to the point that like now he went from being an early example of a good U22 signing to now kind of being a cautionary tale. Yeah.
0: And of course we can't mention that without mentioning Ezra who I imagine is currently sitting there thinking to himself laughing but I mean you Ezra is in almost entirely on on heights. I I do not hold Ezra for all of it. Clearly Ezra was done. I think once once the season started and everything kind of started happening, we knew Ezra's time was up. It was just obvious. But you cannot blame Ezra for last year. Last year you had the you had no depth. You had nothing. You had John Espinoza and A.J. Reynolds as your backup depth at the wings.
1: I mean, you had, you had Johnny Bornton coming in on the wing before the team signed Mueller. And is okay. an example of one of those height signings where it's not necessarily the player is bad or wrong for the position. It's just the way the signing adds up mathematically ends up being bad for the cap management. And this is the league where success is all about managing the salary budget. So Mueller comes in on a free transfer, which is like thumbs up. That's good. Um, six hundred k a year, more or less. That's thumbs you up. you five
2: hundred k in allocation money to Orlando. Yeah. Exactly
1: five hundred k in guaranteed allocation money to Orlando, up to six fifty when you add in options or like yeah. performance based bonuses. And so suddenly, this player that is a, a you know good like good value signing like right pay for the performance you're expecting out of him the value proposition gets shot to heck and this league is is still all about value propositions except for three spots which are those dp spots um where you can spend whatever the heck you want you can bring in leonel messi or you can bring in robert Berge, and it's the same roster spot and that's one of the places that I think that Heights has kind of fallen flat on because those are three difference maker spots. And basically, with the sole exception of Robert Barrish that first season, none of the players that have been signed to a DB contract in the past four seasons have been difference makers. I don't know. Do you agree with that? Shaqiri, Alex, Shaqiri has had his moments.
2: Gaston has had his moments. But have they been difference makers? Have they
1: been real difference makers on the roster? So
2: if I look at the designated player seasons, you have four years and every year you had three designated players, except for one you only had for half. So you have 11 and a half designated player seasons, right? If you get what I'm saying. Only one of them to me is clearly a success. Robert Barrett, year one. Um, Robert Barrett, year two, failure. Guston Jimenez 1, 2, 3, not DP level. Uh, Alisada right, one and decent, two It's but it's a not failure. what it's not
1: what you want from the DP. It's not a, it's right. not changing the outcomes of your team.
2: Hyro yeah. one and two failure. Uh, Dumbia, I think the sample size is too small to even make an assessment 25. on it. But and even then, Shakira. Then, is- Shakira year two is a failure, and year one, it was good. It was a DP. It was a DP-level season, but it was an $8 million DP-level season.
0: You that's And, the and even then, from Mueller. That was a season you'd expect from, like... That's the season Gaetan had.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's... You can probably come up with examples that year of having DPs that did not do as much security in year one. But if you rank DPs in terms of the impact on their clubs... That year, Shakiri does not end up in the middle or top of that pack.
2: Well, Shakiri so was not then, a star. even in his first season, I think Sha- I think Shakiri was good and I think Shakiri was good in 2022. I think he played to the level of a DP player, but that shouldn't be the star DP that he didn't put in the performance of this is our guy who is supposed to be our MVP contender, who's supposed to be our elite player in this league. It was a DP level, yes, but a middling DP, not a top DP, which is what they were expecting from him and what he should be giving based on that salary.
1: And, and the funny, the, the thing that I think that is most unfair to Shakiru, given all of this, is when you look if you randomize the years. If I took like Shaqiri's performance every season in terms of like appearances, in terms of games played, minutes played, goals, assists. Up until this past season, if I randomize them, I don't think that most people could really tell the difference from what he was doing at Stoke City, Liverpool, and Chicago. Or, I mean, will only half season? Like, he had never had double-digit goals. I mean, in his professional career, including his time at Basel. Which, the Swiss League is not a bad quality, but I mean, I think it's fair to say MLS, top to bottom, is a better quality league than... The Swiss League now, like I, I don't think that's controversial. Didn't have double digit goals there, so didn't have double digit assists any of those places. So to expect that from him at MLS, it ju- it just didn't feel like a realistic expectation because he'd never done that in 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 his life.
0: Yeah, I th- I, I think I'm gonna be honest. I think we need to move on from heights because. At this point, we're all just circling the drain. It, it's... I don't know. The only thing I can think of is Mansueta ran out of options. And it was like, crap. I have to hire him. But
1: even then, I don't know for sure. Yeah. But... The, the one thing it. I will say to wrap this up, to put a ball on it. Yes. As Alex said, it's likely there's going to be multiple significant openings in this club that are going to get filled in the off season. The team basically had one working DP for most of 2023. If you think that DPs are supposed to be difference makers, you have to think that difference makers should be worth a winner to a piece. And a winner to a piece for a couple of DPs is the difference between the team being where they were being a good club. And
0: that's why it's going game- to happen. That's why the fire need to go
1: out and sign Tomas Mueller. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, um, or Lua, or there's a lot of other names that have been like bandied about on on fire Twitter that I think <laughs> all all of which should, all, all of which are fair and should be considered. I mean, like legitimately, I think a lot of them are interesting names. Um, but there is some hope when you look at the openings and just nailing some of the signings. And you have to think that, like, it really it can't get worse than than, it's ha- than it has been with a lot of these things.
0: Tim, to that, to say, never say never. Oh. Um, I, I remember although, the 20, 2014 to
1: 2015 season. <laughs> yeah, well, there have definitely been dark times at this club. However, However, during those dark times, um, we never had a player getting called up to the US UMTU23s as a goalie, projected probably to be the starting goalie in an Olympics.
2: Chris Brady. So, yes, I don't know why Guti's not on that roster. I have to look into that. But shout out to Chris Brady, who's on course to be the starting goalie at the Olympics, I guess. That's pretty sick. He deserves it. He's better than Gagas at this point. He he really should be getting senior team looks. But it,
0: it is indeed a shame that so, good, that, just, good team, or that uh Brady has not gotten
1: a call up to the that, senior.
2: Champagne problems that Brady is missing out on a national team call up because of another fire homegrown product.
1: <laughs> but having said that, okay, thirty seconds. Just Alex, why do you think that he's not getting senior team call-ups?
2: Because Gaga has hype around him that Brady does not have. It's really weird. But I maybe it's because he broke through first, maybe it's because he's like super charismatic. For some reason, Gaga is just getting all the hype and Brady is super underrated.
1: I could not agree with that more. What are the Um, odds? By the way, Brady, in every like any like actual goaltending statistic that is, like, under control
2: of the goalie. Brady is like, better in almost upper, every metric. Not just not just better than Gaga, because he's, like, he's top, like, three top in tier in the league. Exactly. Like, last season, uh, it was, like, Burkey and then him. On shot stopping.
0: I he have to like, ask,
2: what are the odds that Brady gets called into January camp? He has, he has to be on that list. He'll get called into the combined camp. That's what's going to happen. It's going to be a combined yeah. U twenty three seniorship. Maybe the club won't release him. I don't know, but he'll she'll get called up hundred percent.
0: Excellent. Anyway, he's worth um, it. Oh, he Bra- Brady. Sh- the fact of the matter is, Brady should be in the top five or almost goalkeeper of the year. End of story. Mm-hmm. I know he didn't make the playoffs, but
2: you no, know, he, he should have been in that top five. Well, the team was only remotely competitive to making a playoff spot because of him. Yeah, it says a lot. The
0: MVP was either going to him or Guti, and Guti won, but Brady probably should have won as well.
2: Well, our our readers voted for Chris. So
0: yes, our, re- our very very smart, intelligent, always awesome readers. Uh, who <laughs> we may not
1: be the best, we may not have the best team in MLS, but we do definitely have the best readers of anyone in MLS. Yes, we have two of the
0: best writers as well in uh uh I, I forget what their names are, but anyway. <laughs> Speaking of reading, uh, maybe this is a
1: fantastic reading. way to handle it because if you if you if, <laughs> if 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 you said anyone other than Jiggly, Jiggly would have been like, why wasn't I on the list? So our our oh, best Williams. writers, our best writers
0: Lil Fire and
1: Big Ember. <laughs> oh man he just invented a new 2024 character that's amazing All right, big ember coming up but anyway speaking
0: of writing uh, hopefully by the time you are listening to this there may be some stuff up on the red on the website Mr. Alex if you would like to take it away
2: yeah so probably I don't know if this is coming out Thursday or Wednesday or what but sometime this week there should be a notebook post for me with some updates on the offseason. Um, stay tuned for that. Some updates on the coach coaching search, which is ongoing. So stay tuned for that. Next couple of weeks, that should be wrapping up. And some possible transfer rumors from the rumor mill. So stay tuned for that because I know we're all hungry for that. And I would expect that once the coach is announced, things are going to start to heat up really, really fast. So get ready for that. But that's not all we have on the website. Um, of course, we're still going to be putting content out throughout the off season, so keep following that. Keep following our Twitter, uh, sorry X. But
1: we have a we merch store. Call, everyone just call. We just decided to call it Twitter. It's it's fine. We've we've had that. We it's still the Sears. It's still store.
0: the Sears Tower.
1: It's still the Sears Tower. At least one. So, at least one MLS podcast decided they're going to call it Ten if they
2: keep on calling it X. So. Ooh. But the merch store, my friends, we have scarves that you can pre-order on the merch store, which this is a project we've been working on for a couple of months, so it's very exciting, and you can still purchase it. It's available for, I think, like, 10 more days. Something like that. No, days. We're,
1: we're keeping it open through, basically, Black Friday. Like, Black yeah. Friday and then uh,
2: Thanksgiving weekend, yeah. Um, so... So uh, do not miss out, because this is a limited edition Men in a Red 97 scarf to celebrate the return to red so that we don't have to be called Men in Blue 97 anymore.
0: I, I can also confirm they do ship outside of the Chicagoland area. Uh, if you're so outside 35. and you want it, that that is something that is good.
1: We're asking $35. Uh, We're charging a flat rate of $5 for shipping, whether or not you live in the Chicagoland area or in a swamp with medieval I don't know what the hell happened to make DJ need to buy a medieval helmet, but wherever that is, wherever is. Okay Well, (laughs) even if you live adjacent to a renaissance fair or in a renaissance fair or wish that you lived in a renaissance fair, as is
2: probably the case with DJ, we're charging $5 (laughs) for shipping, so and, <laughs> All and those things are happening. most importantly, most importantly, this is available at menrun97 slash shop.
0: So, question: Does this does this make us a sponsored stream now? Since we're doing no. our it's own stuff, it's
2: sponsored by by myself. Yeah,
1: Tim. And Tim, we've heart. got to get some better sponsors, Tim. Well, we're we're working on that. But in the meantime, <laughs> um, it's minimred97.com slash shop. And it's also pinned to the minored 97 Twitter page if you follow us on Twitter. If not, you probably should. Um 35 bucks. This is the first time that we've actually had merchandise that we're selling. We've given people away stickers and little flyers and stuff like that, which by the way did cost us money to give away. Uh, not that I'm like trying to like reag or anything. But this is the first time we're asking for money. It's a limited edition thing. We're planning and doing like a scarves as an annual thing. So if you want to come in as like an OG and be like, I got that, you know, the Men in Red 97 2024 scarf, this is your chance. This is the time you get to do that. So, you know, and again, first time we're Don't asking for money. Yeah. <laughs> I, and honestly, like, so they're made by, they're going to be roughneck scarves. We're going for the they're HD the best, Knit, which has a little bit... Yeah, they are. Like, they're the ones, like, MLS uses them, US Soccer uses them. I mean, like, pretty much, like, all the better scars you've got come from them. We're going for the HD jacquard Knit, which is basically, like, the highest quality you get with a scarf that can still keep you warm. I'm sorry, DJ, you don't need a scarf that keeps you warm. You live in a swamp, and they're probably dying of heat stroke right now. Um, I, I was in the helmet. <laughs> he was in the helmet. We're... <laughs> yeah, we you think get handed a check on you to make sure that you're still like not, you know, going to get overheated and you, know, you should hydrate. Is my point, DJ. But <laughs> I mean, they're really high quality scarves. Um, and if you look on the minigrid 97com shop site, you can see a picture. I think the pictures on Twitter are better because uh, you can see them in more detail. They will be really good, and we're going to ship them right to you. Yeah, mm.
2: straight to your front uh-huh. door.
1: All right, gentlemen. I
0: and think again, that the,
1: a- here's the last thing about it. If you're buying one of those scarves, when you're at tailgates, a lot of '97 guys are around those tailgates.
2: We'll know who you are. Think about that. Come say hi if you see that, me. That is us. Me in Bridgeview. Say hi. I'm always in Bridgeview. That
1: might not be, be as much as Joe Chats, who I, I think lives in a shack that he built under the press box. But uh. <laughs> After Joe chats, Alex Debrise is the man's second most in Bridgeview, probably including the residents of Bridgeview. Yeah,
2: <laughs> there was That's there true. was a there was a streak in like July slash August for like a month where I was the person who had physically spent the most time there who wasn't a Fire or Red Stars employee. So,
1: and probably more than a lot of Fire or Red Stars employees and certain players. Wow. I mean,
0: yeah, I mean, I think that's a shot's fired. But hey, anyway, I think that about wraps it up. We probably should stop this, otherwise Austin's going to find where we live. Um,
1: is there oh, anything else? Sorry, DJ, we sent him your address. Um, but we sent him his ballistic missile coordinates.
0: Tim, I don't think you know this. Ballistic missiles don't work in Florida. The Gators fly up and eat the missiles.
2: Well, my address is 1062 West Addison Street, Chicago, Illinois. So we've hang all on, heard where, that
0: joke before. Hang on, where's the address I gave? Also, him why are you?
2: Why like? Why
1: are you a Cubs fan trying to send ballistic missiles to <laughs> Rick? Like not
2: thing ballistic missiles. Sense. I'm saying he's a, a if Cubs fan. That's where I am. He's a he's a okay, cubby. We fair. don't has
0: a we don't ask logic from the cubbies. Okay.
2: They well, they not. actually know how to announce a head coaching hire, so...
1: Okay, Congratulations, well... Congratulations, you'll still suck. Anyway... By the way, Chicago Fire Communications employees are still listening to this. Consider that God's fired. <laughs> 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 i by the way. I just put it on. He, so, he, he like, put it on a Cubs hat as he was doing that. Again, it, it, for anyone that cares. <laughs>
0: Inside joke, that's better than what Tim wanted to show us the other day. Anyway... This has been an interesting podcast. (laughs) We will see you all later. Uh, I have no idea what that means. From Alex. Thank you. And Tim and myself. I still have no idea what you mean by that, but okay. I'll explain why, Mr. Needle. All right, have a great day, everyone. Bye.